1: Trial by Content, it's the podcast where we force our favorite pop culture to compete in the Coliseum of Contentious Opinion so we can all decide what wins. Each week, your three humble hosts will debate a pop culture topic, set the specific rules, and rumble until a consensus is reached. Then, with input from you, the listener base, we'll smash together our nominations with yours and determine a final four-nominee poll that will enter Trial by Content and decide the true answer
0: for all time. Hello again, I'm Dave Gonzalez. Hello for a second time, I'm Joanna Robinson. And hello, I
1: remain Neil Miller. This week, coming off an Academy Awards-based episode on a whole month of zombie movies, it's time to turn our attention back to the cinema, and this time adding numbers. It may seem arbitrary, and that's because it is, but we're going to put movies in competition that have no business being compared to one another. From a large group of men in Las Vegas to a small group of men in space, from Bruce Willis in space to Morgan Freeman in the city, from Murder City to Defending a Mountain Village, from Super 8 to 8th Grade to 8 Mile, we're going to ask, what is the best (laughs) movie with a number in the title? But first... Last week, we attempted to discern the worst song to ever win. Best original song at the Oscars. Joanna, how did we do?
0: I'm so glad you asked. I'm so happy to be here for this very chaotic episode of Trial by Content. Um, Not that they're not always kind of chaotic, but I feel like this is our all-time most chaotic props, (laughs) right? (laughs) Movies with a number in a title perfectly matches what I hear is the chaotic energy of the inspirational film which we will talk about a little bit first as Dave mentioned we are here to talk about the results from last week the worst song to win best original song at the Oscars aka the one where Joanna made a mortal enemy of every single Randy Newman fan let's (laughs) go how did this happen oh no I didn't even see the results okay (laughs) How
1: did this happen? I mean, it seems pretty self explanatory to me.
0: I stopped campaigning because I was at South by and a disaster struck the poll. Okay, last place. You'll be in my heart from Tarzan, which I actually, like, we got a lot of feedback from listeners saying David and Neil were pieces of shit for talking about <laughs> you'll be in my heart from Tarzan and Phil Collins. Sure. And I thought we all agreed that it would at least not come last in the poll. I thought we all as a collective agreed that David and Neil were wrong and that the millennials and the Gen Zers would back me on this Tarzan take. What happened? Guys, what happened? Did. I mean, they did. 10%. They did.
1: Ellie, ten, I percent percent please. 10 percent high. <laughs> Here's the thing.
0: Um, it's a bad song <laughs> oh, from a wait, artist wait. <laughs> that I like a lot. Actually, I promise this would be chaos, and if you're listening to this, you should know that I've had no sleep because I once again had a disastrous flight <laughs> back from Texas. Now I see that tech okay, it is, it won the poll by being the best, but it is right? Well, it's, it's not the worst.
2: I feel like maybe the appropriate thing
0: happened. So it did win. It did win. Like, let's like, let's just, (laughs) let's just roll back the tape on what I just said, because what it meant is I didn't understand math and or double negatives. So the point is everyone voted and everyone agrees. You'll be in my heart from Tarzan submitted by listener Bridget by Phil Collins backed by Joanna. What's that? Like like that Neil assist rate is the best of these four songs. And a truly bad nominee to be the worst song to win Best Original Song at the Oscars.
1: Uh, I don't know if 10% means truly a bad nominee. I think we found... Neil and I found our people. (laughs) Yeah. 10%. Well, and and here's...
2: Listen, in fairness to our listener, Bridget, who did not... (laughs) deserve any abuse that she got on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah. it wasn't
0: Bridget's fault. Uh,
2: Dave and I happy to run cover on that one for you. Um, but she also took a very strong stand for all the Randy Newman fans without even knowing that Joanna was coming for Randy Newman. Yeah, in the that's, that's so- what made
0: And Bridget sent sent a very nice follow-up email, (laughs) and I sent an email back to her. So Bridget and I have mended our fences. We're fine. I also apologize to Bridget that her name got brought into everything that was going on on Twitter this week about Tarzan, uh, when really that all should have been funneled to Dave and Neil, because they're the ones (laughs) who insisted this go on the
1: poll. Yeah, we'll take it. (laughs) I will establish a trial-by-content electoral college, and you'll be in my heart will win. With ten percent of the vote,
3: <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: it sounds like that sounds I'm, I'm like modern American
0: right. democracy yeah. to and me. Exactly, Listen,
2: I'm I'm always happy to to run cover for the listeners because uh, they've they've won me so many trials in the past with assists, and honestly, Twitter can't hurt me anymore. So
0: okay. <laughs> Now we get to the part where it's like bad to be at the bottom of the poll, which is when you were actively trying to pick a bad song, which is what I tried to do with You Let It My Life from You Let It My Life. Uh, and I only got 12% of the vote. So it uh, sucks to be me here in third place. Um, and I think, um, no, I don't even know what happened. Uh, like, I really think if you just press play on that song, you have to agree that it's one of the worst songs of all time. But sure. Maybe it's a low, low name vote.
2: recognition. Maybe, for but our, I, would friends say on that, I
0: would say Dave's is lower name recognition than you light up my life. I don't uh, know. On the
2: internet? On Al Gore's internet? <laughs>
0: Speaking <laughs> of Al Gore's internet, coming in second place at 33, a really re- a respectable, 33% of the vote, I Need to Wake Up, the Melissa Etheridge song from An Inconvenient Truth. So Dave has captured the climate change denier vote. And, uh, and congratulations <laughs> to you, Dave, for that. Yeah.
1: It was a good week to define woke for myself, right? That's... <laughs>
0: I need to woke up, says I need Dave. To woke up. Um, and and in first place, winning the hearts and minds of people cringing all over the nation and are all, all over time the world, cringe champ, the number one cringe arena. It's the truth. It's factual. It is factual. Zippity dah from "Song of the South" submitted by Neil. Forty three percent of the vote is the worst song to win best original song at the Oscars. You know, guys. Do you know what's not the worst song? to win best original song at the Oscars. Not, not, too, too, not, too, not, too, baby. not too, not too, not too, not too, baby.
2: Sometimes good things happen.
0: I lost a dollar bet to our friend Seth over that because I thought Rihanna was going to win. Um, so Seth got a dollar from me, but then I immediately got it back from our friend Dustin Rolls. Um, I don't know. He made some stupid bet because he was nine drinks into the night. He was just like another dollar bet. Seth was he, and I was he like, really on? Surely like... it's not going to be all quiet on the Western Front for best
1: score. Uh, you yes. make that
0: decision,
2: or is is Dustin uh, secretly a big Austin Butler fan? <laughs> like, he had it all riding on Austin Butler, like some folks did.
0: I don't know. It was like something really obvious that Seth and I were like. We feel bad taking your dollar, but we will. Um, okay. Did you guys bet anything on the Oscars? Did you win anything? How'd you do? What were your no, like?
2: No, I, shout out to... I honestly didn't really even watch them, but shout out to the folks who tagged me on Twitter when RRR won Best Song, because I think they tagged both Dave and I because they were
1: like, we've been
2: talking about that movie so much.
1: <laughs> for months. <laughs> I had a like very... Uh, on my other podcast, Fighting in the War Room, we made guesses last September Ooh. Uh, for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Actress. I uh, got everything everywhere all at once. And uh, missed the rest. Wow! For best picture. Yeah,
2: great job. Nice, nice. am yeah, su- surprise. I'm happy for everything ever. Well, all at once, it was. I drove by the theater today where I saw that movie. Uh, last year, it's no longer open. It's gone. Um, oh, the Alamo Ritz. <laughs> no, the Regal uh, Arbor, oh. which is like another one of the art house theaters here in in Austin, has it closed. But yeah, no, good movie. Good movies deserve to win best picture. Sometimes.
1: I'm just happy that like a couple of years ago. We were all talking about the Harry Potter Corpse movie with the erection that pointed north. And now I don't have to worry about those <laughs> guys getting to make however many more projects they want. They could just go make uh, that. so
0: so go see this Army man. That's Indeed. what he meant by the Harry yeah. Potter Quartz movie. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen Swiss Army Man, we really love it and approve of it. Um, Neil, why do not you tell? I'm. I'm just. We're going to just do an Austin talk for a second. I just got back from South Five, which is where Neil lives in Austin. Why didn't you tell me what happened to the Alamo Ritz? Oh God, Dave, it's, do you know uh, what happened to the Alamo Ritz in Austin, Texas? We, I, I know what it is now
1: because I did talk to Neil about that today. <laughs> we okay, talking about it. Uh, yeah, I just found this out. Actually, it's a comedy club. Uh, I guess best self
2: described anti woke comedy club <laughs> run by someone named Joe Rogan.
0: One Mr. Not Joseph Rogan work. has bought uh, the person. Alamo Ritz. The, it, it's not the original Alamo, but it was one of the earliest Alamos that ever existed on 6th Street in Austin, Texas. And it had like a bunch of little screens and it was like a fun, funky theater that I saw a lot of South by Southwest, like midnight movies at and stuff like that. Really fun theater. Closed down during the pandemic. Unsurprising. A lot of places did. Purchased by. Joseph Rogan this like takes me back to the zombie episode like what if your worst nightmare inhabited the corpse of like something you once loved <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of uh, it's it's a little bit of blasphemy um, (laughs) to turn it into a comedy club because, yeah, like you, I saw so many great uh, movies there. I also saw so many interesting human moments on Sixth Street of Austin, because when you go to a screening at the Ritz during South by, you have to stand in line outside the theater. So you're just like taking in all that is Sixth Street. And uh, we were talking about this before we started the pod. If you stay till the end of South by. And you're there for the music festival and Saint Patrick's Day. It's this real vortex of slop, slop human yeah. sloppy human behavior <laughs> slop that I don't fest. think you can really see too many other places. Maybe maybe during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I was going to
0: say Sixth Street is like what if Bourbon Street, but like classy. your shitty trashy version of Bourbon Street. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot of affection for sure. Street. Iron Cat sure. this shout out. Okay, um, that's. We're not here to talk about South by Southwest, even though all three of us have an affection for that festival and for Austin, Texas. RIP uh, to the Ritz. RIP to, to all the Alamo Ritz. i but <laughs> my regrets. Don't so send flowers to your family. Tim yeah. Lee, you have some explaining to do. All right. Here we're talking about 65. Speaking of films with numbers in them, <laughs> our bizarre hook for this week's episode. Um, 65, in which Adam Driver fight some dinosaurs. Uh, I was not able to make it to the cinema to see this because I was at the aforementioned South by Southwest Film Festival in Austin, Texas. Dave, did you make it to the cinema to see 65, the Adam Driver dinosaur film? I did
1: not. uh, My local draft house that I go to decided that uh, Scream 6 needed more screens instead of letting one up for 65. So I I saw myself a a New York Scream. Uh, But... (laughs) based on talking to Neil just a little bit, uh, I think I'm going to have to travel to another theater this weekend to take in what sounds like a real movie. Neil, <laughs> in case people haven't seen the trailer for 65, <laughs> they might be able to guess that maybe we're talking about 65 million years, a number usually drilled into your head because you're talking about dinosaurs. What What is 65 about?
2: Dave, Joanna, beloved friends,
1: <laughs> what if I told
2: you... That 65 million years ago, there was a visitor, and that visitor was a humanoid, and he was Adam Driver. <laughs> and <laughs>
3: um,
0: I don't and know where is- I was when someone told me that time travel was not involved in 65, but I dropped <laughs> my monocle and my coffee and my like sense of awareness in the world. This is not a time travel film. This and is that is important uh, to film.
2: note. It is something that it, the movie deals with very quickly. The opening scene is uh, s- is set on another planet, and we're like, this guy is just an alien space trucker. So here's what I appreciate about Adam Driver doing this movie. And you guys know that I, I've spoken on podcasts at length about my distaste for things like digital dust and <laughs> movies where the characters are supposed to be dirty, but the actors are clean. Adam Driver, who has never in his life given less than 110% for any role, even the silliest shit that J.J. Abrams put him through in Star Wars, he always gives it his all, got really dirty for his <laughs> Space Trucker versus Dinosaurs dadcore edition film. And I think for that, we owe him our thanks because it's kind of fun. And I get that the, uh, you know there are a lot of critics that didn't like this movie. Um, I ate it up. It's from Beck and Woods, the screenwriting duo who did A Quiet Place, and they wrote and directed it. So there's a lot of sound-related, sound design-related gags. There's a lot of really great action sequences that are sort of built around all of the senses, right, around creating an immersive experience, and then using that to scare you and uh you know for us there's several really fun jurassic park gags in the movie i know people are like i don't like easter eggs but let me tell you there's a really clever one that involves a mosquito and amber and i'm like (laughs) i know what that is (laughs) so you know there's that uh there's some great t-rex in the rain stuff that i really liked and uh i think maybe why people aren't super excited about it is that it is... uh, There are parts of the movie that are, like, relentlessly sad.
3: Oh. So, like, it's a story
2: about, like, dealing with, like, unimaginable amounts of, like, loss and guilt. Real real. somebody wrote this during the pandemic energy. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) like, during lockdown part of the pandemic energy.
1: What if this was dinosaurs? Oh, my God, you've got it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and it's all about, like, struggling through loss and guilt and trying to find hope in, like, small amounts of human connection, but also... Dinosaurs are chasing you for most of the movie. So, you know, I get that there's a lot of audience members who may not have wanted a five-minute scene where Adam Driver kneels in the middle of a prehistoric jungle staring at his gun, deciding whether or not he wants to try and survive on this dinosaur planet. But for me, I was like, I'm here for this. Let's go. Let's get into the emotions (laughs) of survival. And uh, he pulls it off. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I have one other note. Uh, Beyond the fact that I think I just like Back in Woods movies, so fine. That's that's fun. But I would like to induct Adam Driver into. I would like to say that he has a good shot at being inducted into the pantheon of what I call great on screen runners. Oh, this so is something that I have been tracking with the help of my own mother for many years since the mid nineties. When I know we, my
0: king, I'm really excited to hear like yeah, who you so
2: think. This, this was born in I the mid like I said the mid nineties when my mom and I were watching Bad Boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Michael Bay film starring Will Smith, Martin Lawrence. And you of course know the iconic scene in bad boys where Will Smith runs and pushes Martin Lawrence out of the, out of the way at the last second, it gets up into that great iconic Michael Bay swoop shot. Um, And at that point I, we were like, Will Smith is the sort of bar for great running on film. Cause it's like shirts open and he's just like sprinting through the streets of Miami. and just looks awesome. Adam driver does some good running in this movie. And I think that he's he's maybe getting up if he continues to do a lot of running on screen, he could get up there with Will Smith. He could get up there with our guy Thomas Mapother Cruz the
0: I was gonna say it's it's Thomas <laughs> Mapother Cruz the Fourth, and it's not like the Mission Impossible where he runs like the entire skyline of London and it's sure, not with a broken like, ankle. Yeah. And it's not any number of you know, certainly not a thing he does in Top Gun. It is the firm where he is <laughs> running with like a briefcase and like sort of a like a voluminous 90s overcoat and a full suit through the streets <laughs> that is the best movie running i've ever seen in my entire life i would also like to nominate even though i'm not sure it's best like most distinctive steve carell in little miss sunshine like
2: sure <laughs> no i mean everybody in little miss sunshine like,
0: <laughs> the arms are like pumping it's like a <laughs> whole like thing i i yeah Maybe maybe that should be a for future trial by content uh, discussion. Best friend. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. We could get into that one. So yeah, I mean, I had a lot more fun with this relentlessly sad space trucker versus dinosaurs movie than I think a lot of people did. But you know, this this is the kind of movie that I I love that it exists, right? Like a like a. million nonsense movie that's 93 minutes of some pretty good action sequences and not a whole lot of story and Adam Driver giving it his all. And if you think that's okay, if you like that, like me, I think you'll do all right with 65.
0: Have heard it's a good nothing, movie with a number in it. I have heard nothing from a single person to dissuade me from seeing this movie. Even the bad reviews, I'm like, that sounds like something I want to watch, and actually maybe <laughs> something I want to watch on the big screen. But also maybe I want to watch it. I want to find a screening. Like I, I, I literally while you were talking, I was texting uh, like the exact right kind of friends to take this movie. Do you want to see the Adam Driver fight status or with you this weekend? <laughs> and like I want to find a screening where it's like just us which is not as hard to find these days like oftentimes Mm. matinees are like pretty empty or whatever I highly recommend a matinee and I want to just like as long as there's no one else there just talk loudly through (laughs) it like this seems like (laughs) really really fun if other people are there we will be respectful but like you know this seems like something you need to like
2: there were only like two other people in my screening which was a matinee at 11.45am Yeah, Uh, there was like a family with some kids that were maybe not appropriate age for this level of like action and gore but the, they loved it like they the kid there's this one kid exclaimed at the end of the movie he's like that was awesome and i turned around and i'm like this guy he gets it <laughs> but uh there was an urge several times uh that i had during the movie to like look around and have someone laugh with me <laughs> at, at the re- mostly to re- direct references to jurassic park that i appreciated
1: so
0: dave are you gonna yeah. go see adam driver fight dinosaurs
1: yeah, I made the mistake of already having tickets to uh, Shazam on Saturday, so maybe Sunday I'll go. I'll loop back to sixty-five, or maybe I didn't make a mistake with Shazam, but I've I, I made a mistake with Shazam. Come on, guys, we know.
0: Um, maybe it'll be good. No, I mean,
1: I'm I'm here for it. Uh, to be uh, that special kind of stupid that Neil is describing sixty-five is. So I hope my coin flip comes up on the same side of the coin as Neil got with
0: 65, because it sounds like a blast. Well, speaking of a special kind of stupid, Neil, what is our <laughs> what is our debate this week?
2: Oh, this is this is gonna be a fun one. Per- perhaps our widest net that we have cast <laughs> to date. Uh, uh, you know, we did best final shot. That's pretty wide. But uh, your choice for the best movie with a number in its title, must be a non-sequel that has a number in its title. It can be presented as a numeral, or it can be spelled out. We actually don't care. Uh, Of course, each of your hosts will uh, present our picks in a little opening argument. Then we will consider your suggestions before forming them, as always, into a final poll. But first, we have a lot of Things to dismiss in this category, because as Joanna
3: mentioned,
2: it is a big one. So um, I think I'd like to start with the toughest cut segment, which is uh, we each pick the best candidate that we had to leave out of the debate, and this, you know, uh, this is this is usually a fun one. I'm happy to go first with this one. Mine is actually a listener submission that was my second pick listener submission because it was basically my third pick for what my movie was going to be. It worked out really well for me this week, guys. (laughs) Uh, and this came from our listener Joel who suggested Apollo 13 which I love Tom Hanks, Houston we have a problem but I loved what Joel <laughs> said about it in that it set a high technical bar for space crisis movies which it did such a just a clean movie uh, technically proficient film Joel also said it's a perfect 13 out of 10 which I like that's great it's good so uh, yeah Apollo 13 great uh, great performance Carrie Elwes Gary Sinise gives some great performances. at Harris. Just a real great that guy movie. All-time all time dadcore movie. That's another another theme with the Adam all Driver. All-time dadcore movie. All-time dadcore movie, Apollo 13. So, uh, all right. Joanna, what was your toughest cut this week?
0: Um, It's so funny. I don't like Apollo 13. And I am I need to rewatch it, I think. But I think what's true about space movies is that I only really like space horror. And I don't really like space Drama, like the dad core space movies, are not. But like, give me an event horizon, or like a sunshine, or you know, someone. Someone is s- like,
2: I, I like space movies, but something really fucked up has yeah. to happen. Yeah, space madness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: There needs to be some space madness. Involved. Tom Hanks you know
2: making he- it back to Earth is <laughs> not enough. <Yeah. laughs> it's
0: based
1: on based on real events <laughs> with real science, yeah, not worth it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Like uh, Sandra Bullock like hallucinating George Clooney, like almost gets you there. But like, you know, other than that, no. Um, okay. Um, I picked one of my all time, uh, problematic faves, which is a a golden era, Technicolor musical, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. This was, I don't even want to say one of, this was my favorite movie growing up. I watched it so 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 many times if you've never if you're not a musicals person fine if you ne- if you are a musicals person but you've never seen this movie go like go on youtube and watch the barn raising dance sequence it's like one of the coolest things that's ever been put on screen it's so good however <laughs> with an adult critical eye the plot of seven Rise of seven brothers which is about Seven men kidnapping seven women and taking them up <laughs> into the mountains and holding them there after creating an avalanche so their families can't get them, and then Stockholm syndroming them into loving them is n- not great uh, as a plot. <laughs> um, but as a piece of like musical theater perfection, uh, I love this movie. <laughs> and nostal- <laughs> the nostalgia just sort of like overwhelms me and all. The problematic aspects of which there are many go out the window. Um, So, yeah, if you want to see seven hot men, some of whom are like ballerinos, like dance in britches and check shirts like this is this is a great movie. If you want to feel good about the plot of a movie you just saw, this maybe not is the Mm -hmm. thing for you. So, yeah,
2: maybe watch Apollo 13 instead. Sure. All right, Dave, what do you got for your toughest cut?
1: Uh, mine is one that I like a lot, uh, both because of the movie that it resulted in and the behind-the-scenes story of it, but ultimately just isn't as good. If we're looking for like the best movie with a number in its title, I don't think I would put this above uh, some of our categories today. And that is... 13th Warrior, which is, in theory, a John McTiernan-directed movie. But in actuality, a John McTiernan-started-and-Michael Crichton-finished-directed movie uh, that they had to basically recut. It's uh, based on the Michael Crichton book, Eaters of the Dead, which in itself uh, he wrote as a challenge from one of his professor friends that was like, this story can't be interesting. And Michael Crichton's like, I bet I could make it a novel. And then he went even further to make it an Antonio Banderas- playing a uh <laughs> middle eastern man movie uh where he goes up to the you know join the vikings and uh to, to fight a maybe monster that turns out to be an indigenous tribe not great stuff if we're talking about optics <laughs> like uh, joanna was but it does have one of my uh favorite uh, acknowledgments that the language of the uh, movie is taking place in the main character's head and our point of view character uh, as Antonio Banderas' character learns the Viking language by just watching them speak it uh, around the fire and slowly the audio track transitions uh, to everybody speaking English, which I thought was really smart. More movies should just do that and uh, not leaving with lost, all these questions. Stole? later. Almost something lost a little (laughs) bit later, not even that much later. Uh, And plus uh, this movie came out 13th warrior came out in August, 1999. There's a lot of better movies in 1999. You could have been seeing in the theaters. So maybe lost. Didn't even know uh, it was,
0: it was (laughs) sort of stealing that.
1: Yeah. 13th warrior. Uh, that's as much as we're going to
0: talk about this episode because ultimately, <laughs> not as good as the other things. Thirteenth Warrior, which I would always call like kind of Beowulf. Thirteenth Warrior, yeah, <laughs> kind of <Right. little laughs> Beowulf, yeah, kind of Beowulf,
2: yeah, yeah. Michael Crichton was like, "Oh, you don't think I can turn this into a book? Watch me turn it into one of the greatest box office bombs of all time." I'll exactly.
1: <laughs> we'll spend one hundred and sixty million dollars yeah. <laughs> on that movie.
2: And listeners, he was right. Uh, all right, so uh, we've also got some other. This brings us to our Nice Try Awards, which is an award we usually give for folks who are trying to stretch the definition, which honestly was a challenge this week because the definition, the topic is so wide that it's really hard to get a Nice Try Award. But I do want to shout out uh, specifically <laughs> listener Josh for nominating the film Once, which is, <laughs> is not a number, it's an adverb that describes, some t- it can describe something that has happened only a single time or a thing that has happened many times, or only once for all of history. So I'm sorry, you can't be so plural and singular and think that you're a number. So (laughs) once, not a number. (laughs) Uh, But Josh wrote in, this might be a cheat, but I'll take any moment to shout out the merits of Once, such a bittersweet and beautiful film about the relationship between an Irish street musician and a Czech immigrant known only in the film as guy and girl the movie presents two of the finest performances from non-actors that you'll ever see as well as True. some of the most moving and touching songs from the way it's filmed to the story told there are a few things better than once so can I, tell uh, yeah, you, I i agree
0: can I tell you a fun fact about once sure it came up last week in our research of best original song because mm-hmm. the song from once that one is like technically kind of a cheat of the rules of best original song because it was not written for once it had already been on I think a Frames album and stuff like that so but they were like I think the guy was like yeah but it's like so good yeah but it's called <laughs> like, what are we gonna do <laughs> uh
2: <laughs> so yeah so once a great movie but does does not unfortunately have a number in its title technically the one that that really sort of broke this week's Nice Try Awards. This one may actually not be so much of a nice try as much of a, as it is just, this is the movie with the most number in its title (laughs) (laughs) because the number itself is infinite. And we got a great email from Dan about Darren Aronofsky's movie Pi, which as I just mentioned, is a number that goes on and on forever. It's a fraction, right? Uh, Decimal. And uh, Dan wrote us a really great email that I would just like to read to you. When I was a young teen, my mother told me not to watch Darren Aronofsky's Pie. So when yeah. I was 14, I did. <laughs> 2.45 p.m. Restate my assumptions. One, Darren Aronofsky is a filmmaker. Two, films can be an expression of how fucked up the world can be. Three, numbers and patterns are everywhere in nature. Therefore, Darren Aronofsky's film about, pat- about patterns and nature really displays and foreshadows the pattern of making movies about the discomforts and fucked up of life in school i was always good at math and numbers so when my brother uh showed me this movie i was enthralled pi does a great job of telling a story and getting inside the mind of a neurotic mathematician searching for meaning in patterns and numbers found throughout life this movie is not what i call a fun watch but it's a brilliantly stylized descent into madness pi walked so that requiem for a dream could run the through lines of obsession and addiction are Fairly almost universally relatable and led to an experience that makes you look at life differently. I don't know if I had that reaction to pie. Sorry, Dan. Uh, (laughs) All all this is a roundabout way of warning viewers of letting your obsessions take control of your life. Things can get out of hand fairly quickly. While not a very rewatchable film, this film is an incredible erratic journey that I think everyone should experience at least once. So there you have it. A strong recommendation from listener Dan about, again, the movie with the most numbers. In its title.
1: I do I do want to point out the phrase fairly almost universally relatable as just like <laughs> a chef's kiss of like this movie, maybe you'd like it.
0: That's sure. Pete Aronofsky, though.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is Peak Aronofsky. Fairly almost universally relatable.
0: Yeah. I just talked to someone who watched The Fountain for the first time, and they're like, that film's incredible. Why don't more people talk about it? I was like, is it? I mean, <laughs>
2: You should talk about talk about it with people for long enough and then
1: you'll get tired of talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day, that was gonna be a comic book starring Brad Pitt. Wow. That's what I tell people when they Amazing when they talk stuff. about the fountain. Uh
2: all right, a couple more awards and and then a very special pretrial dismissals this week. But this I had to give a special jury award for what I am calling category breaking, which is the film Too Fast. Too Furious, and I would like to thank (laughs) listener Declan for writing in, supporting uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, and also uh, talking about a game that Declan apparently played with his friends where every sequel would be a Too Fast, Too Furious, so it'd be like, oh, have you seen the new Batman movie? Oh, yeah, Too Batman, Too Furious, or, um, so, you you know, it, it, here's the point. Too Fast, Too Furious redefined what it meant to put numbers into the title of a movie.
0: Yeah, does it it, need to make sense? No. no, absolutely no. not,
2: <laughs> and and sure it is eliminated from our debate on a technicality because it is a sequel, but it bear it merits a a hearty mention uh, for for innovation. I think really innovating the way the way we think about numbers and titles. Um, well, and,
0: and the Fast and Furious franchise in general uh, for the completely erratic naming of all of their sequels, right? Like just A plus ten out of ten, thirteen out of ten. Great work. X out of X, um, whatever you want <laughs> X I, out of X. Can I just take us on this journey really quickly? Sure. It's the Fast and the Furious. It's mm-hmm. too fast, too furious. Mm-hmm. It's the Fast and the Furious colon Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. And you would think like, does like that's a prequel is that counting as the third installment it has no number three in the title sure, it's like a
2: star wars story sort of sh- right. offshoots
0: we'll circle back to that in a second because then <laughs> we get to number four fast and furious again no four in the title but we've just taken the articles out we've changed the and to an ampersand so it's fast and furious um that's number four and then just to reorient our ourselves- fast 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 <laughs> fast followed by fast 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 <laughs> Fast, fast. <laughs> and then um, to reorient ourselves in the timeline, we get fast five. Then we have clarity, right? So now we know, yes, indeed, Tokyo Drift is number three. Fast and Furious is number four. Now we're up to fast five. Okay. Now we go to fast ampersand Furious six. So same designation as number four. Sure. But, Sometimes but called
2: Furious six.
0: Sometimes called alternate Furious. alternate titles. Well, then we get to Furious seven. The number right, seven is just furious called Furious seven, furious seven right? And then the fate of the furious, which incorporates eight into the word fate in a sort of of very license plate kind of way. That's number eight. Number nine is just F nine. Nine. Mm
1: -hmm. You know what the F stands for. Honestly, I think you may have. (laughs) Do I? I Is it
0: fast or is it furious? I don't know. It's (laughs) fast.
1: and Furious, just the two words, not and, and is <laughs> part of the sequel, oh, but and
0: furious. every, mov- every fast movie furious? implies
1: both a Fast and a Furious. Yeah,
2: I think you may have just nailed it, but you may have just hit the nail on the head with the Fast and Furious naming conventions, it's that they're all just ridiculous vanity plates. And
0: then the last one is <laughs> Fast 10, or Fast 10, your seatbelt, is, if you like, but it's Fast, and then the Roman numeral X.
1: Mm-hmm. So, fast X. Mm-hmm.
0: Chaos Reigns. It sure. should have been
1: Fast X Furious, right? That's <laughs> yeah. how we're...
2: And, and listen, as someone who who spent a lot of time working for a large uh, fruit co- computer company named after a fruit that used to put out a product called Mac OS Ten, but it was Mac OS X, yeah. no one knows how to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> like, no no <laughs> one knows what that means. No one knows that that means 10. Like, no we normal to- person...
0: We used to call F nine the fin <laughs> the f- the final countdown. Is like what my friends and I used to call F nine. By used to, I mean it was last year. It was like a year and a half ago, so it's not that long ago. But yeah, there you go. Uh, for for breaking, for truly breaking, like Too Fast Too Furious is like deserves to be recognized for the initial breaking. But let's just talk about the fact that they just continued to break logic, film after film after film.
2: The entire franchise. Uh, the kings of this category and and many other categories. Do you I'm have a honest. favorite?
0: What would your favorite be of the fast uh, titles that make no sense?
2: I mean, the fate of the uh, the fate of the Furious is the most ridiculous one because you you thought for a while there that they were just trying to make t- titles shorter, <laughs> but then they came out with that one and it's like I don't even know what they're doing anymore. But uh, my my characters in that one. So
0: they were stripping out <laughs> articles and they put they're like how how about both thes are back in. The fate
2: of the Furious, right? The the thes got better agents in that like (laughs) half decade.
0: (laughs) And then they were gone for the rest of the franchise. Yeah, do you have a
1: favorite? Oh, Fast Five, by far. Because like there was was a build where they obviously didn't know what they were doing. And then they're like, you know what? This Furious thing isn't working out for us for some reason. And I just loved, uh, at that point, Twitter was out. This is what, 2011. So I do love just calling it Fast, 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 fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say fast five times. <laughs> and fast five
0: is when, like, the, all the film critics were like, "Hey, actually, we love this franchise."
1: Well, it pivoted to an action franchise yeah. rather than just it's a one racing with the train franchise. Heist, which
0: uh, that's
2: a really great scene.
0: <laughs> drag, drag a safe through uh, an mm-hmm. entire city. Great. Yeah,
1: which is very important, apparently, to uh, Fast. <laughs> the X. plot of
0: Fast X. Yeah, uh, sure. can't wait. Fast Ten. Yeah. New Well Um, I gotta go with Tokyo Drift. Um, uh, because it's just it, you're just what. Uh, And then they made it relevant again. This that was a real like Kevin Feige MCU move. And then all
2: time retcon champs the Fast and Furious franchise.
1: Would you like it if it had stuck to be about cars? If they were like you know Furious Six, handbrake or like some shit (laughs) like that? Yeah,
0: Knox, Fast Knox. Here's the question:
3: (laughs) Would we
2: still like it (laughs) ten movies later if it was still just about stealing DVD players off the back (laughs) of the truck?
0: Why? Why do they want so many DVD and, players? T- and tuna fish sandwich. Okay, and then shout out to our producer Carlos, who, um, who, who, uh, you know, reminded us that we are leaving a, an important installment out, which is Fast Ampersand Furious presents Colon Hobbs Ampersand Shaw. So, so, that. so the <laughs> that was the year the Ampersand agents
2: got got really yeah. bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> And then there's some <laughs> short films. The turbocharged prelude for Too Fast and Too Furious. Is this the are and the animated ones. Los maybe? Bandoleros, which is directed by one Mr. Vincent Diesel. Is Vince Vince or Vincent? Anyway, this has been uh, uh oh no, I forgot his given name is Mark. I did not know that. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's let's go back to. <laughs> It's topic at hand. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, so now that we've sung the praises of Number Innovators, the Fast and Furious franchise, it's time to dismiss, to do some dismissals. And the, the first category of dismissals are some stray listener submissions, ones that folks wrote in about, but unfortunately, we, only, we can only pick three uh, for the listener submissions. And there was some love, multiple emails for Zack Snyder's 300 Dave and I were talking about this one a little bit earlier today uh, as one of the cinematic experiences where I don't, I, I think the the most masculine I've ever felt maybe in my life, walking out of 300, like just the energy flowing through me. In I saw it in
1: the mall and then I went to the food court and then I had <laughs> myself some food and we talked about how Sparrow? I could never have that many abs.
0: Sparrow, a little Panda Ooh. Express.
1: What, what were you doing? Or maybe yeah, a little Charlie. Probably Subs. Panda Express. Yeah. It, it's, it's likely Panda Express. An
0: orange Julius, perhaps.
1: Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I so, mean, so, probably not, because I used to work there. And once you have too many orange Juliuses, you have oh, too many orange Juliuses. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Probably okay. a saturation point. Yeah. I also went to Space Camp. We just talked about Apollo 13, Ben. But like, let's <laughs> give me some credit here. Orange Julius in <laughs> Space Camp. Come on, I got What a what a childhood experience. <laughs>
2: nice so uh so yeah so some zack snyder love uh and honestly you know we've talked about some good zack snyder movies recently in our zombie trial royale and i think 300 is one of his better ones as well but i just need that's to go on record with my thing. 300
0: 300 hates okay, okay. Say, <laughs> Dave and neil versus joanna uh, a feud continues
2: sure gerard butler should have done a few more sit-ups for joanna
0: that's uh, not, <laughs> <I'm> not an ad <laughs> issue. Jeezy crazy no <laughs>
2: Uh, all right, some other listener submissions that are not going to make it. Uh, 9 to 5, Dolly Parton. Mm, tough one. Uh, someone did write in about 61 Asterisk, the movie about Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris, starring uh,
0: Barry Thomas, Thomas Jane and Barry Pepper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: 61, good movie. Directed by Billy Crystal. Pretty good baseball movie. Not my favorite, but pretty good. Uh, Super 8. The J.J. Abrams Goonies uh, offshoot, I guess. Right. Sixty-one
0: is an HBO movie. Does that count?
1: Yeah, I mean technically. Okay, it's a movie. It's got number and it's the a title. Movie. I'm, I'm yeah. We why. made no <laughs> other rules. We made no other rules.
0: Usually we do <laughs> theatrical distro, but sure. Okay, fine, whatever. Sure. <laughs>
2: um, but someone, yeah, like I said, someone wrote in about it, so I guess it counts. Super eight, uh, the movie Eighth Grade, Bo Burnham's film, magnificent film,
0: so good.
2: Uh, The Magnificent Seven, which is a movie that will come back around in this debate because it is a movie that's a remake of another movie with a number in its title. (laughs) Uh, And then uh, another movie that I did not expect to come up in this debate, but may have expected it to come up in last week's, which is the film Eight Mile, which is the uh, autobiographical film starring Eminem about his time in Detroit. And uh, finally, the last listener submission, this one we got multiple emails about. This was probably the toughest of the cuts of the ones that we got multiple emails about. And it is a classic, 12 Angry Men, um, an absolute uh, courtroom classic about the human condition and about <laughs> yeah. prejudice and assumptions. It is also the subject of a really, really funny episode of Beavis and Butthead from their most recent season
3: <laughs> where they parody <laughs>
2: 12 Angry Men and it's called 12 or it's what two dumb men. Uh, so Twelve Angry Men, a classic, probably the one that I would try to squeeze in this debate if we had more room, but we don't. All right. So here's here's a, a little special dismissals <laughs> that we have uh, we've done for you. We're just to give this, you an
1: example of how wide this category yes. is. We did
2: not want to get to the end of this debate and have you think, man, there really just aren't that many movies with numbers in their titles. So we are doing what we call the dismissal palooza, and nobody wrote in about these. <laughs> But here can we go. round?
0: Can we round robin these?
2: Do you like want to? We,
0: yeah, or we each read one. Like you know, around. Sure. What okay. what order
2: do you want to go in? I'll go for. I can go first. Okay. And then Dave, you want to go second? I'll go, go second. Go yeah, sure. sure. All right. So I will start with Jet Lee's "The One."
0: Year one. Taking of Pelham one two three either version.
2: Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Three kings.
0: Three days of the Condor.
2: Three men and a baby.
0: Three Amigos. Fantastic Four, any flavor.
1: I am number four. The Sixth Sense.
0: Seven Years in Tibet.
1: Seven Pounds. The Seven Year Itch. Nicolas
0: Cage's Eight Millimeter. Eight and a Half. District Nine. Nine, which is an Elijah Wood animated movie that I didn't know existed.
2: Yeah. Oh, good one. I like that one. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Assault on Precinct 13.
0: Modern rom-com classic 13 going on 30.
2: (laughs) 13 Ghosts, either
1: version. (laughs) Friday the 13th.
0: 16 Blocks. I just remembered that movie.
1: (laughs) 16 Candles. 17 again.
0: Apollo 18.
2: (laughs) 21 Jump Street. 21.
0: 21 Grams. (laughs)
2: The classic Jim Carrey numerical (laughs) horror movie, the number 23. 25th hour.
0: 20 sound dresses.
2: 28 days later, a good zombie movie.
0: 30 days of night. 30 minutes or less. Miracle on 34th Street. This is 40. The 40 year old virgin. 42. Movie 43. 51st dates.
1: Passenger 57. Gone in 60 seconds. Around
0: the world in 80 days.
1: United 93. And 101 Dal Nations. We'll cut it off <laughs> at 101. 101?
2: I love that the round robin ended on Dave doing 101 Dalmatians because the entirety of this list was built so that we could count up to 101 Dalmatians. And exactly. me somehow
0: getting every rom-com. How did I get every chick flick on the list?
2: Amazing stuff. So that just a, a small snippet of the vastness of this category. So now I guess the toughest part is, is upon us, debating.
1: An option here. Oh, okay. Usually the person who wins the previous week has to go first as a uh a punishment to speak first. Sure. Uh but you have just done a fantastic rules rundown. So you can either kick it off with yours or uh throw to Joanna. I'm gonna go first because All right. I would
2: like to uh break down the sort of nature of this prompt and talk about its <laughs> vagueness, something that we've uh we've been discussing. And, and, and I, as I was going through this, I decided that I needed it to be more specific just for my head cannon, otherwise I was not going to be able to pick a movie. So I thought about it like this. What if someone came up to you on the street? First of all, you know, everybody's masked, everybody's safe. Don't worry about that. Um, and this person, the straw man that I have invented told you that they had never seen a movie before. And this unfortunately sheltered human, adult human, mind you, would like you to introduce them to the wonders of cinema by choosing one film. Mm. But they have a rule. They have something about them that they need it to involve a number. (laughs) They have one of those, uh, I guess, uh, versions of OCD.
1: (laughs) So you took the title best movie with a number in the title and you split it into two parallel categories of best movie and with a number in the title. (laughs) Well, um, I'm just,
2: listen, I'm just acting at the whims of this entirely fictional person that I've brought up and this entirely normal human interaction that I have imagined. So they have said to me, I need you to tell me, give me my first cinematic experience in a movie theater, by the way. Uh, with a movie with the number in the title, and for me, there is no other answer than Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey. It's it's a methodical and cohesive work that I think brings together filmmaking craftsmanship. It brings together boundless imagination. It's incredibly fucking weird. Uh, it's a story that transcends space and time. And honestly, it's a movie that should have been all the warning we need about artificial intelligence, but. Here we are, 50 plus years later, still yes. still working it out. Uh, I would also like to shout out, this is another one we got multiple uh, listener emails about um, after I had decided to take it, of course. But uh, we got a great email from Joe, and in it he uh, mentioned that the first time that he saw it, was most likely during the 1974 re-release when, and I quote, I was old enough to drive and had begun to experiment with recreational pharmaceuticals, but that's a story for another time. <laughs> Not only is 2001 A Space Odyssey one of the greatest movies, greatest movie with a number in its title, but it's definitely one of the greatest cinematic experiences to have when you are altered in any way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think in a lot it's of that ways...
0: that not or bear. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and that, in a lot of ways, is the great wonder of the cinematic experience. Allowing yourself to be in a place where you can be completely immersed in a massive, incredible vision of the past, the future, all of time and space. So uh, there you have it. 2001 a Space Odyssey. Definitely has a number in the title. Definitely a great movie. Good luck to my combatants yeah
1: it's (laughs) gonna be kind of hard to argue against that if uh, like we're really focusing on like best movie i actually hadn't seen this until i think a couple of years ago like mid-pandemic my partner and i decided to try to do movie clubs where we uh, were seeing movies that one person had seen and the other person had not seen and it only lasted for I think five weeks because uh, both of us are pretty well watched. Um, And uh, one of the ones that we came across was 2001 Space Odyssey. I was saving it uh, much like I think I saved Citizen Kane until I was out of college to like actually see it. But there are some things that have just been put on a pedestal as like the top of movie making for me for so long. I decided to like save it up, and then when I finally ended up watching Citizen Kane, I'm like, well, certainly this won't like live up to my expectations. The one like cross dissolve shot of a cockatoo going like ah, like in the middle of the movie, I was like, <laughs> this movie's fucking great. Sold on Citizen Kane, and I was very happy when I found 2001: A Space Odyssey. To not only be very interested in the story and the pacing of it, but just how well the visuals still hold up, considering he was pioneering uh, space photography, uh, to the point that that movie's, you know, good enough. A lot of people think he uh, shot the moon landing, and that's, uh, that's how <laughs> pretty good <laughs> <this> space is. <laughs> but yeah, I also love the ending uh, being open to interpretation. I think that's a great thing for a film to have overall.
0: I might I'm I'm gonna risk being labeled um anti intellectual here.
1: But I will say <laughs> I really
0: like two thousand one A Space Odyssey until the space baby sequence. And then I'm just like Oh sure. Until not the Star Child. It. I'm not about it. And uh again, you can call me a dum dum if you want, but I just like I. I
2: well, see, I, but that's the thing. That's <laughs> when the hallucinogenic <laughs> edible is supposed to kick in. Like, yeah. Really. Stanley Kubrick's
1: like, I thought Joanna Robinson needed something weird to happen in space for her to like my space movie. Uh, the so horror he threw a little star is child. Hal.
0: Hal <laughs> is the horror in which that, I mean, that is great. There is a great movie inside of 2001 a Space Odyssey. I first saw 2001 a Space Odyssey. I'm, the last time I told a story about high school on a podcast, it turned out my English teacher was listening. So hopefully no one's listening from high school. But um,
2: <laughs> I was skipping this teacher's class. Their no, name was. No, it was like
0: someone, I, <laughs> someone who's a really good friend of mine who I had a big crush on. And he, I hope to this day, does not know that I had a really big crush on him. Anyway, he was like oh, invited. This is, this is a
1: mistake right. waiting to happen. Yeah. It's, no, it's no, no, chaos. it's fine. We He's fine. We're all it.
0: fine. It doesn't matter. It's a million years ago. <laughs> he really <but> loves <laughs> Randy
1: Newman and no. dogs. And let me tell you about him.
0: No no no, he's fine. We're all adults here, it doesn't matter. Um but um he like invited me over to and we were just like hanging out on his bed in his room watching it. So like nothing happened, but I was just like distracted, right? Um <laughs> but these,
1: these space scenes are very long <laughs> from my opinion.
0: But I I've, I've since watched it um undistracted and I still I hold I hold to my space baby opinions. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair
2: i didn't like Uh, the star child because i was
0: distracted (laughs) it's a a distracting thing to watch a movie with your like somebody you have a crush on who you've never touched and you're just sort of like oh my god what's happening Anyway,
2: that's uh that's definitely a distracting thing
1: (laughs) uh i'll I'll go next because we're having too much fun of a time i have picked the david (laughs) pitcher movie seven uh it is a murder mystery film uh that is David Fisher considers it his debut because he is uh does not acknowledge Alien three as I being a really
0: movie Alien three I
1: movie. I think Alien three is fine but you could definitely see David Fincher wanting to uh exercise his own control over a movie and not let a studio sort of muck around with it, which is how we get Seven, which I don't want to completely spoil the ending of Seven, but it it is not a happy ending at the end of this movie. The point of this movie is that human beings are horrible and they're horrible to each other, and you should probably fight for it because we're humans. But that doesn't make it any easier to live in the city and uh, to have lots of obsessions or to date Gwyneth Paltrow. That's what this movie is trying to uh, communicate to you. I think it's a really groundbreaking both in terms of its, you know, sort of relentless tone, but it uh, used a different type of film processing, which left the silver on the negative after it was processed, which allows it to have some of the super black shadows that became basically how we shoot... Crime cinema uh, now, even crime television has sort of gone the David Fincher color he invented correction. Invented the grime, route. he did, and he brought it about uh, with this performance, uh, with this performance, with this movie that has a great Morgan Freeman performance and some great performances from people that uh, have not stand the, the time of uh, fandom. Well, don't, don't cancel some really canceled humans.
0: <laughs> don't Google Morgan Freeman.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's true. I don't think I, you I, have I, to Google I, Kevin Spacey. No.
3: So.
1: You don't have to Google Kevin Spacey. Uh, there's also uh, a Brad a Brad Pitt in here. Um, I was uh, interested to see that uh, both Brad Pitt and uh, Evergreen Air Fresheners will be making uh, an appearance later on in this podcast, uh, but my one is going to be seven. Why is it the best movie with a number in its title? Because it uh, is a taut thriller that uh, I think isn't afraid to uh, drop you in a hole and leave you there. And I think there's a lot of this type of movie that we see later in the 2000s, sort of like seven reactionary films that don't get what makes like a good crime thriller and it sort of probably leads us into torture porn uh, or some sort of... Uh, overly uh misogynistic uh film uh films that uh, sort of seven um al- allows for the follow up to be but if you sort of watch it now and then watch the rest of the david fincher filmography you could see him Honing what a crime thriller is, I think all the way to like Mindhunter, which is probably the the peak uh, for me, David Fincher uh, crime adaptation. Uh, But the way he was able to sort of come out of the gate uh, this confident, uh, both in shadows and performance uh, from his actors, is uh, really groundbreaking. Is it visually as groundbreaking in 2001? No. Is it as fun as our next pick? No. But you know what? Sometimes you just have to watch a good movie and if that movie, if the point of that movie is to make you feel bad and at the end of that movie you feel bad, that movie did exactly what it set out to do. So I'm going to go with Seven. Might be a little biased because I use the Seven <laughs> as a V replacement in my own <laughs> Twitter handle. Let's not worry about it. Joanna, what are you bringing to, the, to our actual debate?
0: I mean, we commented on 2001. I, I mean, Seven, Seven has three men of various degree, varying degrees of problematicity. Uh, mm-hmm. in it, and also like mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow, and I was like, I was talking to Dave yesterday, I was like, well, there's still Gwyneth Paltrow, but then like, Gwyneth Paltrow went viral today for this, like, weird I take my nutrients through IVs during a podcast uh, video that's going <laughs> around her, so it's just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That being yeah, said, Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow
2: is- who I've still not forgiven for what she has done to the word goop, a word that we love it, in it other contexts.
0: It meant
1: other <laughs> things. It was a ooze alternative.
0: Uh, all that being said, I love Seven. like. It's like sure. <laughs> It's a good movie. It's just like problematic really people movie. all the way down, and it's a great movie. I love it. Well, that yeah, and I mean. the
1: movie's problematic all the way down. Like, we are also, I guess, a couple of uh, days off, but we haven't had a of we haven't had a, a podcast about it since. But uh, the like Rain Wilson reaction to The Last of Us being like anti Christian in some sort of sense, and I was like, can, like, but has he seen seven? Like. Do Christians claim these people? Do Christians claim the serial killers and the cannibals? Um, But yeah, Seven. Really interesting. And uh, yeah, I guess also one of my favorite scenes about libraries ever. Mm. It's maybe like, this and Last Crusade's uh, X Marks the Spot might yes. be my two favorite library scenes Those are really good in libraries. all cinema history.
0: There, do you remember how in Loki, the first season of Loki, there was like a Seven reference when they're like in the library researching and they use the same like classical music that's playing yeah, in the was. library scene? <laughs> Amazing. Because
1: everybody loves Seven. That's uh, why they're going to vote for it. It's a uh, great movie. Uh,
2: in this yeah. poll. A fun, fine time at the movies.
0: <laughs> yes. I <be> fun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, speaking of... A raft of problematic men. I bring to you the epitome of, of heist movies, Oceans 11. Um, I'm speaking, of course, in Steven Stoderbergh, George Clooney led version, which is a remake of a Rat Pack film from years before. uh We are not doing Oceans 12, Oceans 13, Oceans 8, because those are sequels. We are doing Oceans 11. Um, I picked this movie, and then I found out that the most number of listeners submitted this. Movie. Like, honestly, honestly, <laughs> and I asked David I was like, is it okay for me to still this movie, despite the fact that the most number of listeners wrote in about this movie?" And they said yes. So I'm not cheating by doing this. I just love this movie. It was the first one that popped in my head when we thought about this prompt, and then I thought about a ton of other movies, and I kept coming back to this one. Um, it's a, I think it's a perfect movie. I think that, um, it's a movie that I love, love rewatching when I watched, um, the magnificent seven, um, remake that came out uh, a couple years ago and was left like a little unsatisfied by it. I went back and watched it since 11 to be like, how do you make a putting a team together movie that's perfect where you feel like you really feel like, you know, everyone on the team, you're not overwhelmed by the number of people there because like, Magnificent Seven only had to do it with seven, and they didn't do it very well in that version of it. Um, whereas Ocean's Eleven gives you 11 characters. I would say one is not really a character, but like the rest are characters, and like you understand them, and you, they have distinctive flavors, and you feel invested in some aspect of their journey. Um, stylish, obviously, um, gives us peak all time Brad Pitt uh, eating performance. Um, and I just, I, I love this film. It's like one of the most rewatchable films that ex- has ever existed. Um, Ocean's Eleven, 2001. Um, not to be confused with A Space Odyssey. So, <laughs> I
1: us say. I do like Ocean's Eleven. I think if there was one thing that could have made it better, but also it would make it impossible, it'd be if there was a, a slightly more underdog tone. Because it's, we're like well into the heist by the time Tess comes up. And that's like the underdog part of it for me. Like he's, there's there's a part of this movie at the very beginning where I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to be a rich raconteur where you could afford everything and also steal from richer people? Like <laughs> what a life. Just to like going around being some sort of like capitalist pirate. Uh and then once the I think the personal stakes uh steps in and those personal stakes are embodied by Julia Roberts uh being super charming, uh the movie really clicks in to me right right then. And then it's like it's hard to stop after that. The movie does not do a lot of pausing uh once Tess shows up. And before you know it, you're in the final heist and you're like, oh my god, I still have an hour of this movie left.
0: And like Andy Garcia fantastic antagonist like truly wonderful uh making Las Vegas feel kind of like romantic and cinematic rather than like grimy and goopy is like pretty pretty incredible work and uh and one of the all like when i say i love a heist and i say that all the time and i do i love a heist this is the best version of that this heist right here the 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 twist of the heist and the way it's executed, and even when you know it's coming, it's still satisfying to watch. Like, and there's just some fun, speaking of problematic men, Casey Affleck, uh, Scott Con, comedy throughout. <laughs> Casey like, Affleck's most
2: charming. Yeah, maybe. it's
0: just like <laughs> great stuff. Icons: Elliot Gould and Carl Reiner are here. Like, I was going to say, I think my great.
2: favorite thing about the Ocean's Eleven cast is the the seasoning, right? The seasoned actors: Bernie Mac. Um, Elliot Gould just great. Carl Reiner is amazing in this movie. I think Oceans Eleven as a vehicle for people to discover Elliot Gould's entire body of work, I think really excellent for our yeah, generation.
0: Not not just Monica's dad's <laughs> from friends, but yeah, exactly. you know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like, you know, go back to when he was a real hot guy in the
0: sixties and seventies. <laughs> he sure was. Yeah. And like the <laughs> old, I would say if there's one flaw in Oceans Eleven, it is Don Cheadle's accent. That's it. That's the only one.
3: <laughs> Basher.
0: He's, he's really fun. I just wish that they had, like, been at the end been like, that was a fake accent the whole time or something like that. Or just been like, <laughs> don't do the accent. I don't know. One or the other. Instead, they're like, two more with you, buddy. Get <laughs> sure. out of here.
1: Don't change a thing. Yeah.
2: Double down. Also, sneaky good Matt Damon performance. Maybe my oh, great second great favorite Damon Matt Damon performance is in yeah. this movie, behind The Martian. So, yeah, that's a good one some good ones in this category.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're just picking a best movie, like, you know, with- by the way,
0: let's just say a stranger who has never seen a film in their life came up to me on the street and was like, Joanna, I would like you to recommend something that will help me understand all the cinema. Plus I'm going to get high while I watch it. I'll be like, <laughs> Ocean's 11, man. If the, if the, if the, uh, if the alter state is kicking in when the fountain montage is hitting, you're going to mm-hmm. have a great time.
2: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Indeed. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I just think it, I think it's bizarre that Neil decided to create an entirely extra prompt inside of our prompt, and I just wanted to do a callback. I, I have never think, seen a movie. Well, I, David <laughs> Fincher Seven is a great place yeah. to start.
2: I don't think you should do drugs and see Seven as your first movie.
1: <laughs> uh, I bet I bet you don't feel like you know the humanity's doing pretty well right now because you've never seen movies. So just stay in that hole. <laughs> It is time to take. We've each picked one listener submission, and we will take these three and narrow it down to our fourth spot on our four spot poll. I will go first. Jessica wrote in to say The Fifth Element. It's not only one of the best movies with a number in a title, but it is a classic, a seminal film, one of the most important films in the history of the world. Who among you doesn't want to win the Gemini Croquettes all expensive paid trip to Floston Paradise? This movie is super green. Luke Besson has given us a truly delightful space opera with a genuinely lovable Bruce Willis at his peak. Introduces Mila Jovovich in the iconic, in the most iconic Band-Aid ever, just kicking ass along with the fun, fun side characters like Chris Tucker as Ruby Rod, an intergalactic DJ, and sidekick to Willis and Ian Holmes as a well-meaning priest that enriches the story with deep lore. Then there's a musical number. The Fifth Element is the best movie with a number in the title ever made. Gas up your space cab and take and key up some Pavo Laguna because Lilu is going to big bada boom her multi-pass into your hearts and win this poll. Jessica, thank you for so many references. If you haven't seen The Fifth Element, those were all perfect references from the film. You should definitely check it out. It is a movie that Feels like it was written by a 13-year-old boy in the good ways, not the bad (laughs) ways, necessarily. Uh, But yeah, I love Fifth Element. I probably would have picked it uh, if I didn't decide to go depressing, because Fifth Element, (laughs) not super depressing, uh, but a lot of fun. Chicken, good. Chicken, good.
2: Speaking of movies made by problematic people, (laughs) Fifth Element.
0: (laughs) <laughs> don't Google yeah, yeah. Luke
2: Basson. <laughs> oh,
0: just don't Google men. <laughs> just don't.
2: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right, is it my turn? Yeah, go. All right. Well, mine comes. Uh, we have multiple emails for this, but I I picked this one because it's a good email, and because this email from Brienne uh, also did start with a whole paragraph fully supporting all of Joanna's takes from last week, including Randy Newman. And Tarzan related things. So, I'm gonna go read that. So, Brienne, good for you. I'm glad y'all agree. Uh, But we agree on this one, and it is the Akira Kurosawa movie, Seven Samurai. And uh, Brienne has given me something that I love, which is a numbered list of reasons. Number one, it is a three and a half hour movie that feels like it is one and a half hours. Two, it has two of Japan's most recognizable and best actors of their time. And I personally would say of our time too, Takashi Shimura and Toshiro Mifune. Shimura brings a cool stillness and Mifune is the unpredictable wild card. Who doesn't want to watch him laugh and taunt the bandits from a barricade? I certainly love it. Uh, number three, it consistently lands on the best pictures of all time lists, often at number one. It is very well respected personally and professionally. Number 4, it is, has inspired countless other filmmakers including Spielberg and Lucas, the Jedi themselves are heavily inspired by Kurosawa's samurai. Five, it is Kurosawa's first proper samurai film. He really made a perfect samurai film the first time with his incredible attention to story and characters and cinematography. And oh, I might as well stop and just say everything. Pause that film anywhere and you're looking at a fantastic shot. He revolutionized his own filmmaking during the production with the use of multiple cameras and telephoto lenses. Six, other filmmakers have remade this film. Examples include the aforementioned Magnificent Seven and Pixar's A Bug Life. Uh, a Bug's Life, which... Does that one have a Randy Newman song? It does?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so.
2: I don't think so. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good. But they have never been able to capture the brilliance of the original. Seven, despite the runtime, and I'm, I'm sure other people as well can watch this film again and again and again. And eight, we are still talking about this film. It's perfection, influence, and brilliance. 69 years later, very nice fun fact. Thank nice. you, Brienne. Nice. So Seven Samurai, a movie that uh there's a poster of it above my shoulder as we record this. Uh was, was definitely my toughest cut. Like of like this would have been my pick had Brienne not sent us this wonderful email about it. So uh yeah, Kurosawa, legend. Seven Samurai, the movie that uh has the distinction of inspiring a remake that also has a number in its title. <laughs>
0: Um, can I just say that we got another email from The Magnificent Seven? We had a lot of, by the way, a lot of Randy Newman feedback in our inbox. We did. Someone said, PPS, jail for Randy Newman. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> but we, had, we got an email from Michael who also written for The Magnificent Seven, and he said, not to mu- undermine my own submission, but I, al- I almost submitted the three amigos, but I discovered it was co-written by Randy Newman. And I didn't think I could handle being destroyed by Joanna. Um,
2: <laughs> and here we are.
0: Michael, you're forcing me (laughs) to add nuance to my Randy Newman opinion because like further nuance besides Princess the Frog, because I love Three Amigos. And most importantly, I love the songs that are in Three Amigos, My Little Buttercup and Blue Shadows on the Trail, which I guess Randy Newman wrote. So Randy Newman, only mostly a a a criminal. (laughs) 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 Only almost all the time terrible. (laughs) (gasps) All
2: right, Joanna, it's time for your listener.
0: (laughs) Great. Mine comes from Nicole. There's no Randy Newman in mine. Okay, my pick comes from Nicole who says, there can be only one answer for this question. And that is, of course, 10 things I hate about you. It's funny. It's charming, and the cast is exceptional. The chemistry between Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger is electric. The supporting cast, particularly the adults in The Dad and The Guidance Counselor, played by, uh, let's just say, Oscar winner Alison Janney, are quirky and hysterical. The grand romantic gesture of Heath performing Can't Take My Eyes Off of You is perfect. This is an endlessly rewatchable film. It is full of so many great lines that you will never forget, and Nicole included a few. I guess in this society, being male and an asshole makes you worthy of our time. What's another word for engorged? I'll get you back to Reginald's quivering member. Quivering member. I like that. She's meeting some bikers, big ones, full of sperm. Wow, great stuff. That must be Nigel with the free. And last but not least, of course, the Julia Stiles classic. But mostly, I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little. Not even at all. Um, Yeah, 10 things I hate about you. I mean one of the best, we got a couple emails for this and Julie also wrote in and she also, she had a longer list of quotes uh, pulled from the movie. So apparently highly this is quotable. like a, a highly quotable movie uh, for people. Um, this is a great teen rom-com of, of, the, of the late 90s sort of, uh, you know, teen rom-com uh, phase and then also the like literary classic remake, right? If Clueless is Emma Jane Austen, this is um the Shrew. Um, I think it's the best modernized Shakespeare movie that exists, uh, that doesn't use his original language. So we don't need to get in a fight with Baz, Baz Luhrmann. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's got to, you know, this, this is what introduced us to Heath, right? Uh, us, the wider public, not Australia. I'm sure. Um, this is the best Julia Stiles performance. And she's just like built her entire career chasing this high. Uh, you know, baby, uh, Jessica Gordon-Levitt is here. He's great. It is a lot of fun. And How much fun
1: do we want to be having with these? <laughs> that's that's the question.
2: How rewatchable does it need to be to be? You the best? don't want ten
0: things I hate about you going up against seven. Like here's the thing, <laughs> I I'm tempted that we should go with seven samurai just because it is like such a classic. And but then we have like two sevens and an eleven. Uh, like wh- where's our number diversity <laughs> on our, this list? You know, what's our the numbers? number what's, diversity. What's the number? Things st- <laughs> I didn't even think
1: I'd have to worry about. What's the number spread? <laughs> I'm with you, Joanna. I think we got to put Seven Samurai on there. I think if we don't, we get justifiably yelled at. Uh, I don't know.
2: This is is a tough one, too, because I think Dave and I specifically learned a lot about how the internet feels about both Phil Collins and the Tarzan movie (laughs) that we didn't expect. By sliding that one into the poll, it made it a little more interesting. I think the chaos pick here is 10 Things I Hate About You. Because I actually think that there's a lot of people who would probably just vote for that one over there are. over you know sadness and Dave's pick and right. Pres- right. prestige with mine. but then again, it c- it would compete heavily against Ocean's eleven for the fun. you vote.
1: know what that that's also the thing i don't I don't need this to be uh to, to agree with my the whole the whole point is that it's you guys vote and decide what the actual thing is. So even though I would feel weird leaving seven samurai. Off of a podcast called like the best movie with a number in its title. I don't. I don't need it. I think maybe you're right, Neil. Maybe we throw I mean, in ten I'm things just, I hate uh, about you. I'm just
2: saying it's the chaos pick. I still still feel very strongly about Seven Samurai. Just to be I clear. like
1: chaos, and I would I would love to be yelled at uh, about Seven Samurai rather than Phil Collins. I think that would be a wonderful change in my week.
0: Ditto, but uh, insert Randy Newman there. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad we're moving on from the music <laughs> subjects. Um, 10 Things is a like a beloved internet film and like a beloved nostalgia film for people, right? Um, definitely more so than Ocean's Eleven. Seven, I... Inter- Seven, I think, I think what's going to happen is going to be like seven versus 2001. Those are the movie bro votes, right?
1: And then it's Ocean's Mm -hmm. 11
0: versus 10 Things, which is like the internet, a fun, you know, popcorn movie uh, vote. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to put, I think Fifth Element, Seven Samurai, and 10 Things are all great submissions. Um, I was trying to see, I was trying to see which of them got the most submissions from our listeners. And, um, think it's like a tie
2: mm-hmm. oh no
0: actually i they, think fifth they, element got the most
2: they all got a couple right
0: oh no i'm sorry when i did a word search for fifth element um it came up in airplane movies and also legacies <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Phil- fifth element <laughs> it keeps coming back around yeah, it keeps
0: coming and back listen, around so we got two I, for fifth element yeah what do you saying? I think
2: it's a fun movie it's a it fun, is a fun movie. movie i love um, that movie. And and there is a great musical number in there. Um, but I don't think I just don't think it it has held the same way that even even ten things I hate about you, um, it has held up.
0: Are we gonna I mean, are we gonna put like here's the real experiment. If we put ten things and we put Heath's face as the image, <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that's gonna do numbers. Yeah, but
1: We've all seen 10 Things I Hate About You. You put the hypnotized table dance on. You don't put Heath Ledger's face, right? I'm
0: saying, do you want to win or do you not want to win? (laughs) That's the question. (laughs) The image matters.
1: Yeah, yeah. I love this podcast that comes down to graphic design. Listen, that's
0: that's how how (laughs) democracy. You think image doesn't matter in any kind of voting scenario? It does.
2: Yeah. Well, this one, I'm I'm torn because I think Seven Samurai is probably the better movie. Probably deserves to be in the poll. Obviously. But... I do think 10 Things I Hate About You balances the poll in an interesting way. Like, you know, he just Seven doesn't Samurai lose, is like- He
0: doesn't want to lose his movie bro votes to Seven Samurai. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I saying, don't want to lose my
1: seven votes to you're, Seven Samurai. You're Santa saying that
2: there are people out there who really, really obsess about and love the works of Akira Kurosawa, David Fincher, <laughs> and Stanley Kubrick very specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna, how dare you? <laughs>
1: oh my god let's chaos pick it let's put 10 things right, i let's, hate about let's do you Hell yeah! Let's,
0: let's do it. Hell yeah.
1: i want to see the result of this poll that's <laughs> so once again our poll is um my pick is seven joanna's pick oceans 11 neil's pick 2001 a space odyssey and the listener pick comes courtesy of nicole it is 10 things i hate about you uh good good job number one i guess we, the, the number one seems to be pretty prevalent uh, in, our, in, our, in our poll. Uh, but that's sure. the only conclusion I could come up with because I don't really know what we're debating anymore. What
0: <laughs> you... is this episode <laughs> about?
1: Are all these movies good? Yes. How do you compare seven to ten things I hate about you and try to figure out which one's better?
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right, listen, all right, anyway, the important this thing to remember your is your that...
0: idea, I'm pretty sure, Dave. Like, it was either you or Neil. This is not my brainchild. <laughs>
2: We, Look, we were
1: all very tired.
2: Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, listen. The important thing to remember is, that 65 million years ago. There was a visitor, <laughs> and it was Adam Driver.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're all we're all a progeny of Adam Driver somewhere, way down the, I mean, the DNA line. Maybe oh. he did oh. a lot of stuff.
0: Did he? Did, did he teach? Well, no, there are no men. Never mind. I know history and math. Great. <laughs>
1: so our final poll once again is going to be seven oceans 11 2001 a space odyssey 10 things i hate about you you could find the poll for the best movie with a number in the title on the ringer.com at ringer on twitter and in the spotify app where you find trial by content you choose the winner and we will announce it next week where surely we have learned our lesson and narrowed down the topic right neil absolutely not next week we are going to be
2: celebrating uh one of our great franchises about revenge the john wicks films the films uh, about keanu reeves as john wick and the revenge mission he partakes on behalf of maybe one of the cutest puppies ever uh seen on cinema so we are going to be debating what is the best movie about revenge and that's it. It just has to be a movie. It has to involve revenge. You can take it from there, dear listeners and Of course, as always, send your pics to trial by content at gmail.com. give us a few sentences uh we We get some long ones, but you know, if you guys tighten it up a little bit, they're a little bit better for the uh, reading on the air. But go to town trial by content at gmail.com, the best <laughs> movie about revenge i'm 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 sure that'll be an easy one.
1: Yes, surely no weird movies are going to fit into that in any sort of way. Uh, Make sure to vote so we know exactly what we debated this week, but we had a lot of fun and we will see you next week. This episode was produced by Carlos Cherubo.